Amen. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I'm so glad that uh, you're here this morning. I know Fourth of July weekend can be a busy weekend for people, but I want you to know that I'm proud of you for being here and that you included the worship of God in your Fourth of July weekend activities. And so it's not a small thing that you're here. Amen? Amen. I'm going to continue this morning talking to you about truth that changed our life. What we're doing this summer is we're really on a journey and we're talking about the things that Vicky and I have learned, the things that we've grown in spiritually. Now, I'm talking after you receive Jesus as your Savior. Uh, Vicky and I became Christians. We became Christians at different times. But then once we became Christians, once we invited Christ into our life, then along the way, we learned some things that literally changed our lives. And I talked to you last, uh, when I started back, I was going to say last week, but it wasn't last week. Uh, I learned, we learned that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. One of the first things that I learned as a Christian after we became adults was that God is not mad at me. I learned that. And I don't know about you, but that transformed my walk with God. That transformed my prayer life, the way I read my Bible, the way I encounter God. Arthur, would you come up here? Uh, I want to show you a simple object lesson that we did that I don't want you to forget. The Bible says in Corinthians that Jesus, would you come up here on stage, please? Thank you. Uh, we uh, talked about how that the Bible says that Jesus was made sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And if you were here that week, I talked about how in the Old Testament, when a man would sin, he would bring an animal from his flocks or from his herds, and he would bring it to the priest. And then he would put his hands on that animal. And his guilt, his sin, would be transferred to that animal. Then the priest would take that animal, and they would slay it on the altar, and then that man's sin was covered. Then the innocence of the animal was transferred to the man. Okay, just for an example this morning, Arthur is Jesus. See, we're not under the old covenant anymore. We're under the new covenant. And when Jesus died on the cross, my sin was transferred to Jesus. And Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' holiness, Jesus' purity, Jesus' right standing with God was transferred to me. And if you can understand that, and you can understand that God's not mad at you, and that you are no longer a sinner, but you're a son, you're a child. I love that song we sang this morning. It changes your walk with God. I just want to say it one more time. When Jesus died on the cross, my sin, my sin nature was transferred to Jesus. It's as if I put my hands on Jesus, and when I did, my nature went to him. Because the Bible says that he became sin. He didn't die on the cross because of his sin. He died on the cross because of our sin. Then his righteousness was transferred to me. So you see, I'm righteous. Thank you, Arthur, very much. I'm righteous. You're righteous if you know Jesus is your Savior. That's the first thing that Vicki and I learned in our early days in our walk with God. The second thing I talked about was Vicki and I when we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we received our prayer language and we spoke in tongues. That changed our life. Here, here's what happened. When Vicki and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we received, I think, at the same time, <clears throat> it gave me the strength to live a daily Christian life. That's what it did. The Bible says in the book of Acts that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that power changed me and transformed me. I was involved in the world. I was dabbling in the world. I was dabbling in sin, trying to find out who I was. And when I received the baptism, it changed us forever. 
uh, I was visiting with a couple who was in church last week, and uh, they attended church here in the early days of our church. Uh, we'll, we're getting pretty close to celebrating our 30th anniversary, and this couple attended church for five, the first five years of our church. And this woman told me the story that I went to their home, and they have a son who's now grown and married and has four children, but he was a little boy at the time. And they said, I prayed with him to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she said, he's never been the same. Uh, he's never been the same kind of person he was. It changed him. That changed our life. Uh, Megan, my daughter-in-law, has told me the story about when she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She was a young girl. She received right here in this room. And she said it empowered her to be able to get through high school. Uh, we all know how school can be and how school can be hard sometimes, not just academically but socially. And she said that she would pray in the Spirit every day, and it empowered her to get through that. Now, here's the thing. If, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit like I am, it's, it's important. Use your prayer language. You need to be praying in the Spirit every day. What happens when you do that is it uncorks the supernatural in your life, and it releases the supernatural power of God in your life. So I talked about those two things. Now, the thing I want to talk to you about this morning, again, these are not in order of importance. And so I don't want you to think that we're descending as we go through because we're not descending as we go through. Uh, it's just the next thing that I had on my heart to talk to you about that really changed our life as Christians, and it's this. When we found out that our words have power, when we found out that what we say matters, I don't know how you were raised. Uh, you may be, have been raised in a home where words were harsh or toxic or maybe full of death. And then, and then when people would use those words on you, they would follow up with maybe, oh, I'm kidding or, oh, I didn't mean it. It's like words didn't mean anything. Words didn't have any power. And when we found out that it, it does matter how we talk, it does matter what we say, that our words make a difference in our life. Now, I'm not talking about positive thinking this morning. Uh, and I'm not against positive thinking, okay? It, you're better to be a positive thinker than a negative thinker. But that's really not where I'm coming from this morning. Where I'm coming from is recognizing that how you talk, the way you talk, the words you use matter. Let me read you a couple of things. My words, my words, have power over me and my future. My words also have power <clears throat> over others and their future. Now, particularly the people that I'm around every day. See, I'm your pastor, and so my words have power in your life. But you think about your immediate family and how in your immediate family, the people you're around the most, the people you work with every day, those people are influenced by your words and by the things that you say. And here's the first thing I'd like you to think about this morning. Words are like seed. Okay, the Bible says that your heart is ground. The Bible says that your heart can be good ground. So the people that you're around on a regular basis, when you talk to them, you're using words, but your words are seed. And I want you to imagine, if you will, you take that person's heart. Maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's your son, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's a coworker, and you sprinkle seed on their heart every single day with your words. Your words are seed. And your words are either good seed or your words are bad seed. And that person has a harvest in their life. You have a harvest in your life based on your words. Listen to this. Words can inspire and words can destroy. We've all heard that saying, haven't we? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the biggest lie I ever told, isn't it? Yeah, everybody in this room, myself included, has been hurt by words. You've been encouraged and inspired by words. You've also been hurt by words. So it really changed our life when we recognized 
and understood that words matter. Now, I'm going to read a scripture to you this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, out of Proverbs 18, 21. It'll be on the screen, Proverbs 18, 21, out of the New King James Version. Listen to what it says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let me read it to you again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words make you a victor, or your words hold you captive. Now, here's what the Bible says. I just read it to you. You speak life with your words, and you speak death with your words. You have life and death in the power of your tongue. So I just want you to stop for a minute this morning and think about how have your words been lately? Have you been speaking life around those? Have you been speaking life to those around you? Or have you been speaking something else? Because you see, you're in control of that. You have the power to choose which one you're going to do. Listen to this next thing. Proverbs 6.2 says that you are snared. Let me read it to you. Proverbs 6.2 says you're snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Now, I just read to you two words out of Scripture, two verses out of Scripture. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. <clears throat> and then you are snared by the words of your mouth. Now, we all know what a snare is. What's a snare? Well, a snare is a trap that you set for an animal. And you disguise it, you hide it, so the animal doesn't know it's there. And then they stumble into it unknowingly and they're caught. Correct? Isn't that what a snare is? Okay, here's what I see all the time. All right, I know that there's not one of you in here this morning who would probably disagree with this message. There's probably not anybody who would come up to me after church and say, yeah, I don't know about all that, Pastor. I, mean, I don't know that my words have power. I don't know if that's true or not. Probably no one would disagree. We all know that, that words have power. But, but here's what happens to us. See, along the way, you forget sometimes that your words have power. And then what happens is your words snare you. You don't realize it. Think about your life, okay? If you speak positive words, generally it will create a positive attitude in your life. It will create a positive attitude in your home. If you speak negative words, if you're always down and out, you're always talking about how bad things are, it creates a negative attitude in your life. Now, again, I'm not talking about positive thinking, but I'm talking about the power of you understanding your words. Your words can snare you, and they snare those around you. Let me read you something else. Okay, your words, your words make you a victor or they hold you captive. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about two types of confession. Okay, now, when I say the word confession, depending on your background, if you grew up in church, if you grew up in the Catholic church, when you hear confession, you think something completely different than a person who grew up in the Baptist church, right? That word means different things to different people. Okay, I'm not talking about the confession of sin this morning. Now, I believe in the confession of sin. Okay, I absolutely believe in that. And when I sin, I confess my sin to the Father because it's right and, and I want my relationship right with God. And so I make sure that I do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when I say the word confession, I mean basically what you say. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you the difference this morning between a bad confession and a good confession. Now, I've already read to you two verses. You snare yourself with your words, and life and death are in your words. So I want to show you this morning and help you understand the difference between not being snared and being snared, the difference between a good confession and a bad confession. Let's do the bad confession first. Okay, here's what lots of people do. They talk about defeat, failure, lack, and unbelief. 
They talk about fear. They talk about defeat. They talk about lack. And they talk about trouble. Now, here's the thing. When you do that predominantly in your life, you know what you're doing? Well, you're glorifying the devil. Okay, you're glorifying the devil. When you talk about how bad, and I'm not saying that, well, Pastor, what are you saying? Am I supposed to put my head in the sand and act like things aren't bad? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying have a Pollyanna attitude. But what I'm going to show you this morning is how you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. So you talk about defeat, you talk about failure, you talk about lack, and you talk about unbelief. Uh, let me tell you a story. I knew a family many years ago who got into some trouble financially. They needed some financial help. And uh, they came to a pastor, and they said, Pastor, we need to borrow some money. And uh, this pastor said, well, as a church, we can't loan money. Now, let me explain something to you about church. Okay, at Tui Christian Fellowship, we never loan money to people. Okay, we don't do that, all right? We made a deal with the bank a long time ago that if they wouldn't preach, we wouldn't loan money. Okay, so we don't compete with each other, okay? Right? Amen, I'm, I'm joking, but, but let me explain to you my heart, okay? We help people all the time at this church, okay? You work hard for your money, and you come in here, and you give your tithes and your offerings to the church, and we use that money for ministry, and we have a heart to help people. And we help people at different times throughout the year, and we've helped people with utilities. We help people with car repairs. We do things to help people. But we never, ever loan money to people because we don't believe that we're supposed to do that as a church. So when we help somebody, we just help them, and then, and then we're done with it. Well, this person came to their pastor, and they said, you know, could you loan us some money? And the pastor said, no, uh, we can't loan you any money. And it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it, but it was sizable. You know, it wasn't 75 or $80. It was bigger than that. So here's what happened. This man went home, and he was hurt. His feelings were hurt. And he went from hurt feelings to being angry to being bitter, and he began to back up away from God. Now, here's how that happens. Typically, when you begin to back up away from God, the first place you do that is in church. And you start thinking of reasons why you don't want to be in church. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to see the pastor. I don't want to see that person. And this person began to back up away from God. And they began to back away from church and from other Christians and from church services. And this person became angry and they became bitter. Now, this person went out and found a second job. This person was working. And this person found a second job. And it just so happened that the job was on Sunday. Now, let me explain something to you that I want you to understand. I'm not against working a second job. Many times in my life, I've had two jobs. I've been a bivocational pastor for many years. Vicki and I today do Parents Place, Parents Place Family Resource Center. And we teach parenting classes, and we do classes for folks going through divorce. And we have some income from that, and that makes me bivocational. Before that, Vicki and I had a janitorial business. And in our janitorial business, we worked, and then we would do church, and, and it made us bivocational. I'm not against having a second job. Now, let me say this. I'm not against working on Sunday. I know many of you have jobs and you have to work on Sunday, and I'm not against that at all, okay? But here's what happened to this person. This person got a job, an extra job, working on Sunday, and it took them out of church every single week. And so they went from being in church all the time to being hurt, to backing away from God, to backing away from church, working every Sunday, and then they weren't in church anymore. Now, I know this family, and I can tell you from there to now, their life has been a train wreck. Now, here's what I know. God is not in the train wreck business. Okay, God didn't judge this person. God didn't do anything to hurt this person. The choices they made along the way caused them hurt and caused them heartache. 
Why am I telling you this story? Well, here's what I wonder. I wonder if this man had gone home, gathered his wife and children around the table, <clears throat> and said, hey, uh, we need some money. We need some extra money. And I'm not saying I'm not going to get a job. I'm not saying I'm not going to work extra somewhere else. But here's what I know. God is going to take care of us. We're going to go to church. We're going to serve God. We're going to follow him and do what's right. And if we have to eat rice and white bread every meal for six weeks, we are going to trust God. We're not going to talk defeat. We're not going to talk failure. We're not going to talk heartache. We're going to serve God. What's this in Joshua? As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe if this person had done that, their life would have turned out differently. The things that they've been through, they wouldn't have had to go through. Now, let me show you the next thing, which is a good confession. I've talked to you about a bad confession. What's a bad confession? <clears throat> Where you talk about defeat, you talk about failure, you talk about lack, you talk about unbelief, and it glorifies the devil. All right, pastor, what's a good confession? Here's what it is. Say what God says about you. Let me say it again. Say what God says about you. You get in agreement with God's promises. Now, I want you to understand this very clearly. You say what God says about you. What's God saying about you? <clears throat> well, this is my Bible. I don't know how they got it in there, but they did. Amen? It's in there. It's on there right now. Listen, the Bible is a book of promises. And, the, and it says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So anytime you find a promise in the Bible, anytime you find something that God says about you, okay, here's a promise that I know. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What's that promise? That promise is God is going to take care of Rusty and Vicky. God is going to take care of us as a family, and he's going to meet our needs. So, Pastor, what do you do when you have a need? What do you do when you have lack? What do you do when you can't pay your bills? Here's what we do. We do two things. We do two things. We do everything we know to do in the natural. What does that mean? That means if we need to cut back, we cut back. We pay our bills. We don't live on credit. And we don't get ourselves in trouble and try to put God's blessing on it. And I don't miss that. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Okay, you live on credit and want to baptize it and call it holy. That was good. Amen. You want to live on credit, you want to baptize it, and you want to call it holy. And you want, want God to bless you. Now, I have a credit card, and I use my credit card at different times. But we don't get ourselves in trouble. Okay, we do everything we know to do in the natural. The second thing we do is we give. We're givers. We have a flow in our life financially because we give. All right, we're tithers. All right, we could spend our tithe money, but we don't. Do you know why? We don't eat our seed. We don't eat what belongs to God. We put it in God's house. Then you know what happens? Then I'm in partnerships with almighty God whose heaven is uh, made out of gold. And so he takes care of us and we trust him. Are you with me? Okay, so what do I do? I believe what God says about me. Father, I thank you. You meet our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I say what God says about me. That's what a positive confession is. That's what a righteous confession is. What about when things are bad? Do you ignore it? No, we don't ignore it. But we don't talk about it all the time either. Let me talk to you daddies. 
Okay, gentlemen, dads and granddads, your words have so much power. You have so much power over your children. You have so much power over your grandchildren. You have power. Use your words carefully. Use your words wisely. Use your words graciously. I could pull one of your children out of this service afterwards and tell them they're stupid and they're an idiot, and it would hurt. I'm not saying it wouldn't hurt, but it wouldn't hurt near as much as it does when a dad does it. Your words have power. Let me talk to you as husbands. Your words have power. Are you speaking life and blessing over your wife? Are you nitpicking and looking for everything that you don't like? And you're always criticizing and attacking. Your words have power. Ladies, let me talk to you. Moms and grandmoms, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Amen? Stop being mad at President Obama. He's not the boss. It's that woman he sleeps with every night. <laughs> She's the one you need to be praying for, amen? He lays down in bed and says, honey, what do you think? Right? Come on, right? Ladies, your words have power. Mamas, your words have power. Grandmas, your words have power. All right, now let's talk about you being an employee, a business owner, a friend, a neighbor. Your words have power. Listen, your words establish your destiny. The life you're living today, you spoke into existence five years ago, 10 years ago. The words you use are the sails on your ship that are taking you where God wants you to. Do you see God's promises and see them personally in your life and say, God, you take care of us. God, you meet your needs, my needs. God, you said, pastor said that you're not mad at us. And I thank you that you're not mad at us. You don't talk fear. You don't talk doubt. You don't talk unbelief. You don't talk about how bad things are. Now let me encourage you. I want to encourage you to do something. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to gather your family around the dinner table, whatever that looks like. If it's mom and dad, if it's a blended family, if it's stepkids, if it's no kids, if it's neighbors, if you're grown, whatever your table looks like. Okay, in your mind, you're seated at your table, and imagine the people in your family, whatever they look like, okay? I can tell you what my table looks like. It's Vicki and I and my children and their mates. That's what our table looks like. But your table may not look like my table. But what I want you to do is this. Gather the people in your family that you love and gather them on a a regular basis and have dinner together. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, when you sit at your table, you're supposed to talk about the goodness of God. You're supposed to talk about how God is taking care of us. God is going to bless us. God is looking after us. God is faithful. God knows us. Are you with me? Now, let me say something. I don't want to condemn you. That's not my heart. Maybe you can't have dinner together a lot. Maybe you can't do it two or three times a week. Maybe you can only do it once a week. Here's the thing. The devil hates the family dinner table. He hates it. And he does not want you around the table. He wants you working. He wants you busy with hobbies. He wants you doing your own thing. He wants you to stay away from that table at all costs because he knows what happens if you'll gather together. He knows the grace of God will begin to flow in your life like you've never seen it before. If you can do it once a week, do it. If you can do it twice a week, do it. Listen, put it on your calendar and make a point. We're getting together. And if you have to go down to Allsup's and get burritos, if you have to go to Sonic and get 50-cent corn dogs, okay, it doesn't matter what you eat, amen? <clears throat> don't think, well, we can't do that because we don't have anything to eat. Okay, Sonic always has something to eat. Go get it. And don't eat it there in the car. Take it home. Are you with me? 
and gather around your table, and then here's what you do. You talk about the goodness of God. Father, thank you. You've been so good to us. Now, I, I would encourage you to pray before you eat. Pray. Okay, dads can pray. Moms can pray. Grandmas can pray. It doesn't matter who prays. The kids can pray. All right, pray. Bow your head and pray. God, thank you for this food. Thank you that you're our God, and we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be simple, and it can be short. Don't be intimidated. Then you talk about the goodness of God. Father, thank you. Thank you for our home. Thank you for a roof over our head. Thank you for our vehicles and our jobs. And then speak life over your children. We're so proud of you. We love you. We're so thankful for you. Do it over your grandchildren. Listen, don't use your table as a place of discipline. Don't discipline your children at the dinner table. Now, I was disciplined on a daily basis because I needed it on a minute basis. Okay, but I never got disciplined at the dinner table. My parents didn't do that. My dad didn't do it. Now, I would spill my milk because I was all elbows and I'm fighting for food and I want to make sure I get enough and I'd always hit my glass and spill milk everywhere. It'd go across the table and on my dad's shirt. Sweet Jesus. Oh, he'd be so mad. He'd be so mad, but I didn't get disciplined at the table. Don't use that as a place of discipline. Use it a place of blessing. Use it as a place to speak life and to be careful with your words. Listen, your words matter. Your words determine the atmosphere in your home. Your words determine the atmosphere in your own heart, in your own mind. Your words determine your mood. Your words determine your future. Everything God created, he spoke with words. God created with words. He's given you the same strength and the same power. Speak good things into your life. Speak good things over your family. Speak life over your marriage. Speak life over your children. Be proud of them and let them know. And then say it over yourself. Listen, I do it every single day in my devotion time. I do it throughout the day. Y'all know one of my favorite verses is Psalms 103, 1 through 5. I say it, I said it this morning, driving over here in my short pants and t-shirt to unlock the door and turn on the lights. And I went across the street and got the blower and blew the dirt off the sidewalk. And while I'm in my short pants blowing off the sidewalk, I said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits. Oh man, that, that's good right there, isn't it? There's benefits for being a Christian. There's benefits. First off, there's a pretty good retirement plan. Amen. I got, I, if y'all are worried about retirement, I got a great retirement plan. It's good. I'm going to be okay and be blessed. All those houses that Vicky sees on HGTV, I'm going to live in one in heaven. It's going to be so good. Amen. Amen. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all my iniquity? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from destruction? Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies my mouth with good things, so my youth is renewed like the eagle. Now, when I do that, do you know what I'm doing? I'm agreeing with what God says about me. I'm agreeing with what God says about me. Now, I'm not saying, do I slip up? You bet I slip up. Do I say things? You bet I say things. We all do. But being aware of your words and your heart will change your life. And don't talk about failure. Don't talk about defeat. Don't talk about lack. I read the other day that the gas prices are the lowest they've been since 2008. 
2008. If I'd have told you in 2008 that gas was going to be lower than it is than that in, what, seven years, you'd have laughed at me. Right? What were they saying on the news? Oh, it's going to be 7 or $8 a gallon. But it's not. Can I tell you something? Go ahead and have a funeral for the news people. Go ahead and bury them. Go ahead and cry bitter tears. Have a walk. Have a cry. And put them to bed and be done with them. And when you get at your dinner table, talk about Jesus. Talk to your kids. God's been so good to us. We're so blessed. We're so thankful. Amen? Words have power. Would you all stand up? Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I'm grateful and thankful that you love me, that we're your children and you're our Father. Lord, I so love that song we sang this morning, that I am a child of God. Father, I pray for every person here that they took time on their 4th of July weekend to include you, to come into your house and to worship you. And God, I pray you bless them, you strengthen them, you encourage them. Father, everything I want for my family, I want you to do in them and their families. Father, would you help us to watch our words? Would you help us to realize we're sowing seed every time we open our mouth and that we're aware of it? In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Y'all going to be blessed. I love you.